Hey, everybody. Welcome to podcast day, Friday once again. Um, and we just want to welcome you to the Citizens Advisory Podcast presented by the Citizens Advisory of Pennsylvania. I'm Jess Stalnecker, Executive Director, and I am joined by Ben Herring. You know him. He's a familiar face here on this podcast. Actually, this podcast was his idea. Um, and today, <laughs> we are going to be discussing, this might be familiar to some of you, but we think that it's a really important topic. Um, we're going to be talking about 903 policies. And so this would be um, with your school district. Um, basically, the policy regarding public participation in your school board meetings. Um, and Ben and I were just talking on the side a little bit. And we said, you know, this was not even an issue um, four or five years ago, right? But when COVID happened and people started to, you know, it, it brought to light a lot of issues in the public schools, right? Not just masking my kid, but like there was a lot of other things that came to light. And when people tried to go to the school board meetings to address the school boards, they started clamping down um, and started to kind of uh, limit and um, just take away public, you know, the ability for the public to address the school board. And so that is, you know, where you see on the news now, now parents are being, you know, labeled as like, what, domestic terrorists for domestic coming to school board yeah. meetings and, and addressing their school boards, right? So um, this was really not an issue four or five years ago. In fact, we're looking at some schools and their policies haven't even been updated since 2001. I'm pretty sure that 903 policies, no one knew what they were in 2001, right? But here we are in 2023. It's a really important topic. So thanks for being here, Ben. We are going to break this down for everybody. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to be on Podcast Fridays with Jess. And this one's extremely important. And, and I think folks are going to understand why when we're done here. Yeah. Um. Well, let's start with a little bit of background um, on the 903. Um, again, why is this important? This really embodies. This is this is part of your First Amendment right. Okay, do you want to do you want to kind of expand on that a little bit? Absolutely, and and I want to add too that when I was at a school board meeting last year, 2022, a um, reporter for the Times Leader, which is a local newspaper in our area, was there. And I asked him, you know, why are you interviewing the one person that spoke out about something? And I was just curious. I said, what what makes that person interesting to you versus everybody else sitting in the school board meeting right now? And he admitted through, and I think it's kind of a consensus with journalists in our area, or so-called journalists, is um, they go to the school board meetings to hear what the issues are. So I think that kind of goes to the question he asks is, how do you figure out or how do you, um, you know, redress your government? It happens during school board meetings. Mm -hmm. So I think even the media thinks that the only time you really hear what the public issues are with a school is during that monthly school board meeting. Absolutely. There's no other mechanism. You can send emails. You can call the superintendent throughout the school day. And Jess, this is germane to to you because you were in that that world for for many years. Um, you wouldn't hear about this if it was handled kind of behind the scenes, right? Exactly. And I think that's just it. Like a lot of parents send emails to the school board. I know for a fact, but I would only know that if I spoke personally to the people who sent those emails. 
And, right. and a lot of times the school board members don't even, they don't respond. So you're absolutely right. The only way to get those issues and bring them to light is in the monthly school board meeting. And it's really absolutely. a fundamental, like part of our local government. Sure. And it's, it's enshrined in the first amendment. I mean, I think most folks out there would, would fully understand that, especially like you said in the last three years, since we've had to kind of sharpen our pencils and go back and say, wait a minute, is the government allowed to do that? Right. Are they allowed to just shut us down, shut our business down, take our our you know livelihood away from us? So I think people are getting smart on what their rights are. This is the most fundamental right we have. So the First Amendment, like you know your your ability to speak, ability to you know freedom of expression, freedom of religion, all these things are enshrined in you know in that First Amendment. And if you lose the ability to go in front of a local government governmental body such as a school board and ask questions and ask them why they're doing something again in a public forum so they have to answer the question in front of all the taxpayers not just one via email mm -hmm. then what else would we have if we lose that ability right you know, are we even citizens anymore so i mean speak. honestly i will i will admit to the fact that i didn't realize how important that was until a couple years ago had no idea how important it is to be able to ask those questions. So what we've seen um, is, you know, school boards really kind of cracking down on parents. Um, we've seen them making uh, policies where they have to fill out forms in order to speak. They have to submit it in advance to their secretary or whatever. Sometimes they have to write down their names, their addresses, and the topic they plan on speaking about, which, how I always ask, how can you know what you're going to speak about or that you're going to speak in advance all the time? You you don't because the, an issue can come up in the middle of the of the school board meeting that you would like to ask a question about that you have no clue. Right. The agendas don't come out until 24 hours before the meeting. Um, you don't always know. You, you might just have a question you want to ask. And, and so they're, they're kind of making parents jump through hoops a lot of times in order to speak. And even when they do speak, if it's not a question that they deem appropriate, um, they shut them down right away. So that's what we're seeing a, kind of across the board um, in a lot of area school districts. A lot of school districts are kind of understanding that they can't do that all the time, but um, I'm still seeing it in my district. They don't follow their own policy. They make you sign in, um, but mm -hmm. a lot of people don't, but they still let you speak anyway. So, so let's talk those those three elements right now, Jess. Yeah, okay. Great, great, great segue right into that. I mean, I think what we've seen, and this is through Citizens Reports. So folks will go on our website, they'll submit a report. Jess is the owner of all those reports. She kind of works through them with everybody. Um, and there's three main things that I think we've seen, but they've also been spelled out in court cases, which we're going to get to here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Compelled speech. You already brought that up, right? So when you go to a school board meeting, if your school board is telling you to sign in and put down a topic of what you want to talk about, that is the def the legal definition of compelled speech. Right. And compelled speech, and this is quoting out of legal analysis from a judge's order. Compelled speech is subject to the same analysis as prohibitions from speaking, meaning it, it's subject to the same thing as if you tell somebody they can't speak. Right. So it's it's a blatant violation of your rights. Um, the second part is requiring citizens to state their home address prior to speaking. Now, so many courts have found that that is an unreasonable restriction. 
it's unreasonable for a, a person to go in front of their school board to redress their government. But then now you're going to put me in a security situation where I'm going to tell you my full home address. Right. Especially in a recorded, it might be a recorded meeting, right, Jess? So like now you're telling the whole world where you live. Especially you know? since COVID, they're all on YouTube. Many of absolutely. them. Absolutely. And, and there's absolute efforts out there from these anti-parental rights groups. They'll try and dox you and everything else. So, I mean, that that's a whole ball of wax right there. And then the final one, which is probably the most egregious one, is the presiding officer allowance of fellow board members to participate in viewpoint discrimination. So you already hit on that one, Jess. So when you're talking about abusive or obscene or um, not relevant to what matters are in front of the school board, they're 100% subjective terms. Who gets to make the call that what I'm saying to you is not affiliated with what's in the school board meeting. I mean, there's some that might be, you know, clear. Right. But can you as the presiding officer just clamp down and say, no, you can't talk about that because I said so. I mean, there has to be a very. They do. It's not, it's not okay, but they do do that. I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. Absolutely. And, and and again, we're going to get to these court cases, which is going to dispel all of this This is just total BS because you can't, shut somebody down because you don't like what they're saying as a government official that is again the 100 definition of discrimination especially right. viewpoint discrimination just because you don't like if they're criticizing you well newsflash government officials are subject to public you know scrutiny that right. is also well enshrined mm-hmm. so it's it's been like you said the last three years there's been a huge um awakening of people saying you know, we know our rights now, but on the same, on the same, in the same breath, you know, governmental officials, especially ones that don't agree with a lot of the parents that are showing up, trying to strike back and shutting people down left and right. And you've seen it all over the news. Yes. But those are the three elements I think we see the most. Right. Compelled speech, making people state their full address before speaking, which Mm -hmm. the school board does, and that, you know, disagreeing with the person says, so you could just shut them down. Yeah, viewpoint discrimination. Think about it. If if somebody up there, presiding officer, says, you know that they love uh, basketball and they allow 100 speakers to come up and talk about basketball and they do it with a smile on their face because they're like, oh, this is great. We're all talking about something I love. Well, when somebody goes up and says, I hate basketball, I think it's a garbage sport. Stop it. You know, boom, boom, boom. Strike down the gavel. You yeah. can't talk about that. That is clear viewpoint discrimination. Right. You can't just allow speech that you agree with. Right. Right. Fall in line or we stop you from talking. Yeah. Um, why don't we get into some of those court cases, though? Because I think it's important for people to understand that this is not, even though it's been the last three years that it's kind of come to light, this has been ruled on multiple times, many times. And so there is um, some opinion out there, legal opinion that we can go after um, or that we could at least use to our advantage. So I would love to hear about some of these court cases. Yeah. So there are some previous ones. There's actually two. uh, And one is one that most of all of us know. And in fact, in Citizens Advisory, we actually had Simon Campbell come and speak at one of our monthly meetings. So we're going to talk about his case because it's very important. Not only was it a good national case to kind of follow, but also it's in our backyard. So we clearly know a lot about it. But I want to go back to 2011. 2011 kind of sets the stage for the current environment we're in. Some of the Supreme Court justices at that time 
are still in in the high court now. So, like I said, the environment from this case is kind of still similar to the environment we're in now at the Supreme Court. And there's a case called Snyder v. Phelps. And it was, for me, it's a little personal because in 2006, a real quick story, 2006, I lost a fellow Marine named Seth Algram that I served with in Iraq and Afghanistan. And when I went to, when I found out the news that he had passed during a training incident, I went and searched, I Googled his name because he had since moved to California. I was still in Hawaii at that time. When I Googled his name, the first thing that came up was the Westboro Baptist Church. I don't know if anybody's heard of them, WBC. So at that point in time, from the beginning 2000s up until they're probably still doing it today. I I don't pay any attention to them. They would actually show up at military funerals with signs, picket signs, and it would say things such as, thank God for another dead soldier. Um, Thank God for IEDs, which killed a lot of Marines and Army soldiers. And they literally would hold these things up at the funeral of the service member that was coming home. And it was so disgusting to me that I, I mean, my blood was boiling. I'm like, how do these people get away with this? Right. Come to find out just talking to friends and other people that did a little bit of homework on these clowns. What they do is they do that purposely. They wait for somebody to either physically assault them or to get in their face and they try and, you know, provoke them even more. And then they take it to court. When you do lose your temper knock somebody out, they take you to court and they sue you for assault. You know, they ask the, you know, the police to arrest you. So it was this disgusting tactic. And I'm like, these people are just evil. They're not even human beings for what they're doing. But that court case. um, So the father, let me take a step back. One of the fathers sued them. Okay. He sued them on like five or six different civil terms, such as, you know, emotional distress and all that stuff. Obviously, burying your son and having to look over and see these people. Um, but it made it, it made it all the way to the Supreme court or the appeals court, then to the Supreme court and the Supreme court in a landmark decision, um, they held that speech made in public in a public place on a matter of public concern cannot be the basis of liability. Even if the speech is viewed as outrageous or offensive. Mm-hmm. Well, the Supreme Court at that time, as wrong as that is for them to do that, they still held, based upon the First Amendment, that that is protected speech. Yeah. If they can say that's protected speech, how in God's name does a parent going to a school board meeting saying, I don't want you to teach my kid that he's a bad person because of his race, right. not protected speech? Right. I mean, does that... I, crazy. But that was 2011. Okay. So... You know, as you correctly alluded to, since 2020, there's been a huge influx of these First Amendment cases because now these school boards are going wild. They're going crazy. But in 2017, I think there's another and this is also considered one of those, quote, landmark cases. It's a Matal v. Tam, M-A-T-A-L-V Tam. Uh, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled eight nothing that a federal law prohibiting trademark names that disparage others was unconstitutional because quote speech may not be banned on the grounds that it expresses ideas that offend. Once again, it's kind of that same, same temperament, right? Right. 
just because you don't like what they're saying, just because you don't like what they're doing doesn't make it illegal. It just means that you don't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go to 2021 and then we'll get to the good ones. 2021, the sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said that a citizen cannot be thrown out of a public meeting simply because he or she offends, antagonizes, or harshly criticizes a governing body or members of a governing body during a public comment period. So again, the Supreme Court's pretty, they've held that almost always. Yeah. They've held that First Amendment. And now the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the Sixth, also same exact thing. So what I've seen in my research here is that when you go to a federal district court it's kind of a toss-up when you get to a circuit court of appeals or the supreme court your first amendment rights are pretty well protected right. and i think they've held that for the most part almost yes. every time and it and again not that we agree with what any of those people were doing but it, it is i mean the the first amendment is the most fundamental right. I mean, if you can't, if you can't question or you can't have, you can't speak or, or ask a question, um, to, to local officials or public officials, like you, what do we have? We don't have, um, you know, the freedoms that we thought we had in this country. Absolutely. And, and so these two cases that I'm about to talk about, these are recent, these are within the last two, three years. And they're almost identical, but they both, they had two different outcomes. And I think it's important to draw attention to why. Okay. So in the first one, Marshall v. Amuso, this is the case that we all know about. This is the Pensbury case that for the state of Pennsylvania, this is the groundbreaking case that defines what school boards can and can't do in terms of public participation. So what the school board of Pensbury did, what they were even admitted to doing during the court hearing was they would actually edit video to take out comments made by public by the public, um, which is crazily. And the education director at that time, Charissa Gibson, claimed that the comments escalated from conveying a viewpoint to expressing beliefs and ideas that were, quote, abusive and, quote, coded in racist terms also known as dog whistles. So again, so she and the board made the decision to remove stuff because she found it to be abusive and coded in racist terms. Everything you just heard about the Supreme Court and all that, I don't think so. You can't do that. That's clear discrimination. Right. Um, Two months later in May 2021, Marshall and two other residents were cut off while making comments after the district presented their equity efforts. The district's assistant solicitor, Peter Amuso, who is the subject of the lawsuit, dismissed the men's comments as misrepresentative of the district's equity program and irrelevant, and even shouting, quote, you're done at them. Yes. I want and I know we can, if we link uh, Simon's YouTube on this one, it, it's a yeah. pretty good one. We'll put it in the, in the show notes for this podcast. Okay, great. And he actually shows... Sorry, get that phone off. He actually shows um, during his YouTube clips of this guy yelling at them. You're mm-hmm. done. You're done. You're done. Yep. Okay, because you're sitting in that chair, you could just scream, tell somebody they're done. Right. So uh, that was just a total abuse by a governmental body, right? So 
four gentlemen from the citizens from that school district sued in federal court. And in November 2021, U.S. District Court Judge Jean Pratter, um, she grant, granted a preliminary injunction. And I want to talk about kind of what she said here. First Amendment protects offensive speakers. Um, and the order explained that the, the that the district's conduct amounted to, quote, impermissible viewpoint discrimination. The court's order prohibits the Pensbury School Board from enforcing a variety of restrictions on speech at public meetings, including bans on speech deemed, and, and here's one of those important parts of what people try and get away with, personally directed, that's allowed. Personal attacks, that's quoted in here as being allowed. Yep. You can tell somebody, like, you suck at your job. That's yeah. a personal attack, maybe. It's allowed. Abusive, verbally abusive, irrelevant, disruptive, offensive, inappropriate, or otherwise inappropriate. And I think where they're drawing the attention on that is that's a subjective term. Yes. If you, if you want to not allow something, you want to make it a objective term, not something that somebody can wake up, you know, on the wrong side of the bed one day and say, well, that's you're being abusive towards me. Mm -hmm. No, I'm telling you that you're not doing a good job. Well, that's abusive. So I'm going to shut you down. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So the judge there, again, the federal, when you get to this district court level, it's a toss up at times, depending on who the judge is. So I want to talk about Brevard Public Schools, Moms for Liberty, one of our allies, actually sued them. And this was also in 2021 um, at the outset of the whole COVID thing, right? Here we are again. Now, this one was interesting because it, it, it almost follows the same exact lineage. You have parents showing up that weren't happy, making comments, and the school board shutting them down. Here's another one here. So in a February 2021 meeting, board member Jennifer Jenkins, Jenkins of this Brevard Public School voiced frustration that the speech was even allowed. Quote, enough is enough. We shouldn't be talking about masks anymore. I personally believe we should not be allowed to, we should not be allowing the spread of disinformation. There's one of those little buzzwords, ooh, disinformation. Yeah. So when we come to a public comment and we continue to make points that masks are not effective, my response will be, we shouldn't be talking about this anymore, end quote. So because she didn't agree with that, we shouldn't be talking about it. Right, right. Boy, the time time didn't help her on that one, did it? No. Masks were deemed not effective. Not effective at all, which many of us knew yeah. from the beginning. Right. So who's spreading uh, disinformation there? Mm -hmm. um, so listen to this, though. So, so this one, again, went through the same kind of lineage, went to court. They provided the examples of being shut down during public comment, all that good stuff. And the judge wrote, Moms for Liberty, quote, Moms for Liberty argue that the chair's custom of reading a criminal statute that penalizes disruptions before board meetings and that her use of the policy to interrupt and eject speakers chills their speech. But M4L members, including yada, 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 have regularly continued to speak at meetings, demonstrating that actual enforcement of the policy has not chilled the exercise of their right to speak. So 
let me go back on this one. Before every meeting, this the the chair of the Brevard Public Schools, the presiding officer, would basically read a little disclaimer saying, if we don't like your speech, we're allowed to kick you out of this building and we could even criminally prosecute you if it's this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm paraphrasing there. That's not exactly what they said, right, but right. that was brought up during you know, this, this uh, lawsuit. And that's what the judge wrote, even though they said they were going to do it, you know, actual enforcement never happened. So you weren't chilled, you know, and Jess, we know, we know through talking to many people via email and all that stuff that there are parents that will not speak because they're afraid to. Yeah. I, I I could think of three emails right off the top of my head um, that how, you know, afraid that they were to speak to their school boards um, because of this type of behavior. Um, and I mean, it is embarrassing, right? If you get up there and you start to ask a question or you give, you know, a little bit of a dissertation about something to to then lead to a question or to lead to a statement and they start, you know, arguing with you or shutting, trying to shut you down. It's embarrassing. And not a lot of people are, you know, um, are willing to put themselves in that position. And so somebody who may have wanted to voice their opinion at a school board meeting, I mean, they would rather just sit home and watch it on YouTube. Exactly. And that's why I couldn't disagree more with this judge by saying, you know, the actual enforcement policy is not chill the exercise of their right to speak. I, I completely disagree with oh, that. I do, too. Yeah. Um, so then he um, he goes on to say the record demonstrates that the chair's interruptions of plaintiffs and others for personally directed comments were regularly brief and respectful and plaintiffs freely finished speaking. So plaintiffs have not experienced the objective chill necessary to establish standing entitling defendants to summary judgment so you literally would you have to be handcuffed and thrown on the ground like the the gentleman down in Loudoun county in order right. to actually have your rights taken from you right. i mean this, this is this is disgusting what this judge wrote and this was judge roy b dalton who was appointed by obama mm-hmm. um and, and i want to bring that up not because we don't want to get any political conversation here no but we are truth tellers. And there is truth to saying that the judges that are deciding these cases are doing so on a partisan divide. Yep. If you believe in free speech as a judge at the federal level, you usually are appointed by a Republican or conservative. Mm -hmm. If you're going to allow this type of behavior and try and find some loophole or some legal reason why they shouldn't have their relief, you're usually on the side of the Democrat. I mean, I think that it's, again, we are nonpartisan, right? We're, we're trying, but that is a fact and we're seeing it in a lot of different things. I mean, I think after COVID, during COVID, after COVID, it has been very clear which side of the aisle is trying to limit free speech and is trying to get the public to just fall in line. It's been very clear. Um, so I think that's a good point. hundred percent could not agree more. I mean, the battle lines were drawn. If you believe in small government and your, your constitutional rights, it seems like you went one way and everybody that was like, just shut up and do what the government tells you went the other way. Total opposite way. And now it's super polarized. You know, it's like, you can honestly, um, I mean, you could have read those two cases to me and not telling me anything about those judges. And I probably could have told you which one was, uh, you know, appointed by a conservative and which one was was not. So um, that's sort of where we're at right now in 2023. 
Absolutely. And, and um, one thing that's really interesting, too, is that as polarizing as this conversation is, as you properly alluded to, it still does not take away kind of the scorecard. If you are, you know, if your First Amendment is taken from you, judges, even those that are almost activists that are on the bench, when it gets up to the proper authorities, such as the circuit court or the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, your free speech is going, you're going to be made whole on that. Yeah. So I want to encourage people to always fight back on this stuff because you're going to get into the right hands eventually, even if you have an activist judge at the district court level that, you know, we're just, we'll go above that person, you know, once all is said and done. But even all that to say my point, which is that the National School Board Association, who governs over each state school board association for us, PSBA, I want to say governs over them, but they they're basically the national level of what the states are doing as far as that association goes. Right. And they had an attorney that came out because this is such a polarizing issue. They actually had to provide guidance to school boards. Mm -hmm. And the NSBA came out with an attorney out of, I want to say, Massachusetts, who's supposed to be an expert in this field. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought him in and said that, um, quote, I hope the takeaway from this article is clear. School boards must be extremely cautious about restricting what citizens say during the period set aside for public comments at at school board meetings. Generally, if a school board is going to allow for public comment, it must allow the public to speak about any matter within the school board's authority. Um, Not ones that you agree with, disagree with, all that good stuff. So, I mean, even the people that probably hate saying that, they probably cringe as they write that because they're actually giving citizens their rights. Right. They still can't deny the fact that this is very well enshrined in our laws. Yes. You can't just Thank take God. it away. Thank God it is. Yes. We can't Absolutely. take that for granted. Um, mm-hmm. So important. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like what parents should do if they're finding that their school board is violating these first amendment rights. Like, so let's talk a little bit about like where they can find the 903 policy for their district. And also I would like to mention that we have to make you aware of the fact that districts are going to try to skirt the issue a little bit. And we we're seeing it already. So we're, we're talking 903, but a lot of districts are starting to move away from a 903 policy and they're putting it in policy 006. So we had a judge who ruled on the 903 policy. And I feel like some of the districts are like, oh, well, there's that ruling, but this is not technically a 903. We're going to put it in 006. And now that's not applicable. Absolutely. Spot on. Because the judge in the Pensbury case, and just for the scorekeepers, the uh, insurance agency for the school district because just to be clear for those who don't know when you when a school board gets sued or a school district gets sued let's say um the people that are actually paying the money is the insert the insurance agency because an insurance claim gets filed through the school and then who's going to be um hit the hardest by that is more than likely the taxpayers right right so these, you know, the, the school board directors at a lot of times get sovereign immunity, which I think is a complete joke and that needs to be changed. Um, but regardless, when you're when you're 
rights are stripped away from you, you do have remedy. And if you do sue them in federal court, usually there's a big price tag that comes along with that, meaning the school will have to pay out money. And in Pensbury, they had to pay out $300,000 to those four plaintiffs that went against them. So, um, you know, just know that if you do, if you, your rights are stripped from you, you do have an avenue to go after the school. Right. So again, like Jess said, if, if your 903 policy now is being um, hidden for lack of a better term, because they're like, oh, well, Pensbury kind of set a little bit of a statewide precedent here. So we got to be careful. So now let's slide it into 006. Well, every single thing we just said for the last half an hour, however long we've been on is still true. Right. If you show up at a meeting and they try and compel your speech, they try and have you list your address or state your address, or they engage in viewpoint discrimination because they don't like what you have to say to them, then you still have the absolute grounds to go after them. They can't do that, period. Absolutely. I think, you know, again, it's important to read through these policies, but it's more important to go to the school board meetings. <laughs> it's more important yes. to go and to see what they're doing how they're acting, what is the, you know, are they allowing for public comment? Are they compelling speech? Are they shutting you down if they don't agree with your viewpoint? What is going on? It's important to go and to see what's happening. And so with that said, I'd like to just mention that if you have been going to your school board meetings and you're noticing that your school board is, is you know, violating your First Amendment rights by um, the things that we've mentioned in this podcast, like it's really important, number one, to get video evidence, right, Ben? Yes, absolutely. We need that. Yes. We absolutely need that. Yep. So it's super important to get video evidence of them either trying to shut you down or making you state your address or any of those things, compelling your speech, whatever it is, make sure you have that that evidence um, in your back pocket. Um, if you are having trouble getting remedy on your own, you can always go to our website um, and it's citizensadvisorypa.com. You can file a formal report and you can tell us, you know, this is the school district. This is what's going on. Um, you know, when I go to the school board meeting, they do X, Y, Z. Um, and we can kind of put it through our citizen re report workflow and we can start to see um, we, we have different strategies to seek remedy for you, um, you know, but you said, I mean, there, there's always something. But the good news is, is that when it gets up into those higher courts, freedom of speech is very, very important. And it's we're so lucky that it's ingrained so deeply into our constitutional rights. So, um, you know, it, don't stand for it is what my point is. Like, don't just sit by or sit back and say, well, I'm not going to the school board meetings anymore, or I'm not, I'm not going to ask my question, or I'm not going to stand up. You know, those are, those people are just people, but they're also elected officials. Like they are public servants technically. So they should answer to you. Um, I just want to, I know for, for me, I was very, very intimidated to speak to my school board or to address my school board in front of anyone. I was so intimidated, but it's really important to understand that they're there as part of a panel that was put in place by the citizens for the citizens. So I think that that's a, a real important point not to back down because there are avenues and we are, the, we're here to help. We're here to help with that. Absolutely. And, and I would say two things, two very key points on that. If you are being harmed or if you, you know, in the future are harmed. You know, there are a lot of 903 policies sitting out there right now today. We've looked through a lot of them 
And I could tell you, I think personally, 90% of 903 policies in the state of Pennsylvania are illegal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're illegal because everything we just talked about that have been adjudicated through the actual court system says what you can and can't do. But Pennsylvania policies still say that people can do stuff that you're not allowed to do, such as the presiding officer may interrupt or terminate a participant's statement when the statement is too lengthy, personally directive, abusive, obscene, or irrelevant. I'm reading that off a 903 policy in our intermediate unit 18 as of today. Mm -hmm. The policies are still out there that go against what the courts have already affirmed. Right. So if your school is telling you, well, that's in our policy, it doesn't matter. Your policy does not supersede, you know, federal law, period. And your policy is illegal and you need to fix it. Correct. And we can help do that. But, you know, where the real meat potatoes is of this argument is when you show up, regardless of that illegal policy, you show up to speak because you have a a right to do so. And they try and shut you down. Like Jess said, if please get it on video, reach out to us, let us know. We're more than happy to help. Um, and then the second thing that I want to draw attention to just a little bit more is compelled speech. You talked about this at the beginning, Jess, but you're absolutely right. If you sign up to, to say something, first off, I tell everybody don't sign up for anything. Yeah, no. um, then you're acquiescing to their issues. Right. And I, I don't, I don't think that we should ever do that. But if you do want to do that, just because you want to play nice and try and get through it. If somebody speaks before you and they say, well, hey, school board, I want to know why you gave this contract to your brother um, instead of somebody in the public. And you need to answer that. And you're in the audience going, well, I didn't really even want to talk today. But holy cow, how can they get away with doing that? Right. That's what that's why compelled speech is so important. You should never have to show up to a meeting, put down your topic, and then be, you know, stricken to that topic. Like you can't move it. Right. Then you're you hear something that gauges exactly. you. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So just those two points I want to bring up. But uh, yeah, if those three things are, are any part of your school board monthly meetings, then you have issues. We Absolutely. have issues. We got to correct. Absolutely. And honestly, we don't want to keep, we don't want to make this too long. I think we've covered, you know, it pretty well in depth. Um, but like we said, you know, um, it's important if this is happening consistently to go to our website and file an actual report because we can't really do anything unless it's part of our workflow. So that's really important. You can do that by going to our website again at citizensadvisorypa.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. I've done a live video on this in our uh, Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter, both at Citizens Advisory PA. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this this podcast, you're enjoying these episodes and we're, you know, we're filling a need here, then like, subscribe and share these with anyone who needs to um, to get smart on this stuff, because I think it's super important. So, Ben, thank you for your time today yeah. and for sharing your knowledge and all those court cases, which are really, really important. And um, happy Friday, everybody. Happy, happy Friday. Friday. <laughs> Bye.